Welcome to the Convene Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Miltite. In this show, we meet Lee Stringer, author of The Healthy Workplace. She's researched ideas she would love to go mainstream. That you should have as much energy at the end of the day for your friends and your family as you do for work in the morning when you get started. And I think it's a great way to think about life because in the past, anyway, I've given my best hours to my work. Coming up, how to avoid burnout. Convene Magazine is published by PCMA, the Professional Convention Management Association, and it offers fresh perspectives on meetings and events. You can find Convene online at pcmaconvene.org. Convene's latest salary survey has revealed that a lot of you are feeling frazzled. You list stress and lack of work-life balance as the things you like least about your job. Respondents also talked about the need to be always on, always digitally available, the crazy hours worked leading up to an event, and many days spent travelling. It's not just the meetings industry, of course. Modern life means knowledge workers are never really off the clock – But Lee Stringer says continuing this way is a recipe for burnout. She should know. Lee started her working life as an architect, but she always enjoyed what she calls the upfront part of the job most, how clients work, organizational and human behavior. So she went to business school and came out wanting to focus on the human behavior part of the job. That involves really getting to know clients pretty intimately and and really having to help them project what their work life will be like in the future so that we can build a building that will last longer than a few years will really support them in a flexible, adaptable way over time. You wrote that in spite of the focus of your your work, and you're thinking a lot about healthy, productive workspaces, you were working 60 to 80 hours a week, uh, several years ago. What happened? Well, this is not really unusual for architects or for designers, uh, anyone in the creative field and and lots of other fields, frankly. Um, I was putting in lots of hours for a client who needed me, a big, global, important one. And it was really, really overwhelming for the first time in my life. I really couldn't push through. You know how sometimes you're like, all right, well, you know what? It's going to be rough for a few months, but I'll just muscle through it. I'll be fine. And and this was the first time in my life, uh, perhaps it's my age, I'm 45, um, but I just thought, oh, I just can't do this. I'm hitting a wall. She did complete the project in one piece, but only just. I had some hard moments on the project, some teary ones, frankly, when, you know, clients email me at 11, 12 p.m. on a Friday night and just, oh, you know, there's I'm busting my butt trying to make these guys happy and, and they're not happy and there's just almost nothing I can do. After that experience, she was spent. She didn't feel like she had anything left in her. She had to take a break. When I approached my boss, I basically (laughs) said, look, I'm either going to resign right now, or maybe I notice in the HR manual, there's a sabbatical thing available to some folks. Maybe I can take a sabbatical. And uh, he said, fine, we'll see you in three months. Enjoy your time off. Some of that time off was unpaid. She and her husband have two kids, But they discussed it beforehand and decided the financial hit was worth it for her to figure out a more sustainable way of working. During those three months, she gained perspective on a lot of things, including how that particular project went down. I like to think that, you know, had I been a little more 
thoughtful about setting expectations with this client as well as with myself. Uh, we could have done a, a little bit uh, better job and maybe taken more time, but we did You know what we promised. I think my big takeaway was that big projects that, you know, particularly like this one that really ballooned in scope in the middle of it, you know, it just grew and grew and grew. It really is. I'm not superwoman. (laughs) Surprise. And neither is my team. We're human and we have limits. And, but we also have incredible creativity and tapping into that. That's what our clients are paying us for. And if we're exhausted all the time, we're not giving them our best and they're not getting their money's worth. She says people really need to think about this. Is your company or your client getting the best out of you if you've only had four hours sleep several nights in a row? But she says it's not just the demands from above that grind us down. Also, our expectations of ourselves often, I'll speak for myself anyway, it's really high and I want to deliver the best and the greatest and the newest and the fanciest. You know, it gets better and better for each client, for each for each project, for each deliverable, for each event. And there's some expectation setting, I think, that we all have to do for ourselves. <laughs> Number one, that you know, many of the clients I work with, I've never worked with before. So I can really set it, set expectations early and set a schedule that's reasonable early. If I just, you know, put my, my thinking cap on and, uh, and more realistic about what's possible. And when there are more and more players and more and more people get involved with projects, it adds a level of complexity that I never, you know, I, I went to business school, I still don't, fully account for the number of hours that it takes to get a job done. You know, it just it always multiplies. So I think, you know, kind of setting expectations a little bit lower and exceeding those expectations. I think for me, anyway, that's a, a really good strategy. Clients are just as pleased sometimes that the work was done on time and on budget than that it was over the top and awesome. After three months of thinking a lot, writing, seeing more of her kids and taking plenty of walks, Lee returned to the office. And when I went back to work. I really did so thoughtfully. I work 30 hours a week. I really come back my schedule. 30 hours a week. She made it official. She really does only that many billable hours. Some weeks might be more, but then others she does less. Yes, she took a pay cut, but she got to keep her benefits. And the move made sense to her, not just because it was about putting a cap on her hours, but because so much of her current job involves coming up with ideas and writing. Those 10 hours, you know, that I would have spent working a 40-hour week, I'm now spending those hours thinking or writing or speaking, or I gave myself permission to stare at a wall, if need be, because which I'll never do, <laughs> because I'm just not that kind of person. But, but just the permission to let go and the permission to let the brain just kind of do its thing, go for a walk relax a little bit, um, take the pressure off, because that is when the great ideas happen. That's when I get my best flow. So I really did think during that time off, I was really careful to measure how many hours a day I was working effectively. Sounds amazing. It was painful. Let me just say it was not an easy, an easy road. It, you know, it does sound amazing. I think it's, it is finally there, but it's so hard to, for me anyway, to go from being a Northeast Coast, you know, New Yorker slash DC kind of uh, type A personality, very driven to say actually working less is going to make me more productive. It was partly because of her own experience that Lee wrote her latest book, The Healthy Workplace. She did a ton of research to find out which companies were doing right by their employees and what that looked like and what kinds of practices employees should use to avoid exhaustion and burnout. 
One of the places she visited was the Human Performance Institute in Florida. And they train elite athletes to improve their performance and go from the A players to the Olympic champion players. And so it's, it's all about, you know, performance, 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 which, of course, we all have that same pressure. And they have been studying these athletes for like 30 years. And the thing that they noticed that made the difference, that got their athletes to the finish line first, was their ability to manage their energy. And so they, it's really interesting, but they, you know, it's from between training sessions, energy, you know, between matches or games, uh, energy throughout the day. And it has a lot to do at the microbial level uh, between, you know, in in terms of uh, being able to eat properly and eat regularly through the day and, uh, and snack appropriately, not too much, not too little. They talk a lot about the ability of all of us to uh, de-stress on a regular basis and move and exercise. Now, we all know we should do this stuff, but how many of us are dedicated enough to pull it off during a packed work week, unless that is our companies are pushing us? Lee says more and more companies are taking health and wellness seriously, and they're actually seeing a return on their investment. She says for every dollar a company spends on wellness programs, they get $6 back. Johnson & Johnson was so taken with the Human Performance Institute's research, they actually bought it and had their tens of thousands of employees go through the training on rest, energy and exercise. She says executives across the country are flocking to the Institute and other places like it to learn how to manage their energy. And their goal is that you should have as much energy at the end of the day for your friends and your family as you do for work in the morning when you get started. And I think it's a great way to think about life because I sure often in the past, anyway, I've given my best hours to my work and not to the people that I care the most about. Who hasn't? She says the mindfulness and meditation craze is also sweeping the nation's offices. And I think that is really, really huge, especially when it comes to reducing stress. But there's also behaviors like shutting the email off and agreeing with your team. Hey, uh, you know, I'm not going to answer an email after 8 p.m. because I want to be there for my kids and read them to sleep. Or, I, you know, I really am having some issues sleeping. I really just want to do that. Um, and I'm going to perform better for you if I do. So I'm not going to probably not going to answer your email to the next morning. And just setting up those parameters with a small team. I find that's kind of the best way to start. Um, and and for you leaders out there who are managing other people, you send an email out at 11 p.m., people feel obligated to respond to you. So I think we all have a responsibility as team leaders to do the same thing, you know, behave um, in a way that we or send email in the way that you would like to receive email kind of deal. Um, because it's so addictive. It's so easy to just fire it off and, okay, I'm done. But it's not just you who's getting a project done or a task done. It's someone else who's receiving that task and having to process it right before they go to bed and not a good thing. And talking of managing expectations, I wanted to bring up gender here. You know what Lee said earlier about having incredibly high expectations for herself? Most meeting planners are women, and most women are socialized to give their all, to work hard in school, and to please others, especially to please others. Many of us are perfectionists, and we hate letting people down. But these tendencies can easily lead to burnout, unless you start drawing boundaries. 
Lee says years ago, she came across the book, The Power of the Positive No. Effectively, it says, you know, when you say no to doing something, really what you should be doing is saying yes to something else in your life. So you say, no, I don't want to work those late hours, or I'm not able to work those late hours because I care about my family and my kids and I really need to be there for their school concert. Or I am really passionate about this other project I'm working on at work that I think will actually be more beneficial to the practice and I'm going to spend my time doing that. She says she's only advocating that you control what you can. But she believes a lot of us are able to have saner work lives if we set expectations both for others and ourselves, and if we protect our time. She says with all her schooling... No one ever sat me down and said, this is how you manage your time, Lee. This is really how you manage the precious commodity that is your life and um, at work and at home. And the workplace isn't really that great at doing it either. You might be lucky and have a good manager who helps you with time management and to balance work and life and play. But chances are you won't. And we have to be our own advocates. We really do. And we have to stand up for what we need. And my hope is that all of us can learn to do this before we hit a crisis, which a lot of people unfortunately have done. And our people around them, our people they loved have reached a crisis. It's really important to take a stand early and recognize where and how and, you know, the highest best use of your time and your value to your your community and your family and your organization. It's worth thinking about that because no one else will. She says, think about those performance reviews that ask where you want to be down the line. You know, they don't always ask you about where you want to be personally in 10 years, not just do you want to be senior vice president or, you know, <laughs> or vice president? I don't know. I mean, it just seems like these little titles are, I'm, I'm a Gen Xer, I'm completely jaded, <laughs> don't really care about them so much. But um, I do think that the work that we're doing has to be meaningful. And what does that look like? I think that is worth absolutely spending some time, hard time thinking about, and maybe not doing so at work, doing so walking or at home or sometime when you have a little little quiet space to reflect um, and not be so hunkered down trying to knock out the next project. Lee Stringer. She's a workplace strategist and the author of The Green Workplace and The Healthy Workplace. Have you tried any of these techniques? And if so, have they worked? Or do you have other suggestions for achieving balance? Let us know at convenepodcast at pcma.org. That's the Convene podcast for this time. There'll be another show soon. I'm Ashley Milne-Tite. Thanks for listening. <laughs>